And welcome, 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 whether you're in the building, on the patio, or online. We love that we all get to be together. And I love that we get to be a part of seeing people go all around the world to touch people with the cause of Christ and do great things, do it locally, and do it in our camp. You want to clap for that? Yeah. It's really awesome. Camps, VBS, it's so incredible. What we're going to talk about is really heavy. And so let's pray as we get ready to begin. Father, I thank you for the great things that are happening, the good things that are occurring. I thank you for our next-gen ministries. I thank you for our global outreach uh, teams. I thank you for all of that. Thank you that we get to go out and bring hope and love and healing and freedom to people. But I know that there are some right now, they need that in a very special way. And I know, Lord, there are some who are here or online right now that need to be a part of bringing the message I'm about to share to people who are wondering, is there hope? Can they ever get away from the nightmare? So I pray, Lord, that today you'll use me. I pray there'll be clarity. I pray no one will misuse this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, the Southern Baptist Churches commissioned a third party to investigate them to ask the question whether they were guilty of fostering a culture of abuse. The findings were worse than they expected. They have been found to be guilty of fostering 20 years of cultural abuse. 20 years of people suffering. As a matter of fact, one of the things they said is they said there was no list. Well, they found out there was a list a list of 700 known abusers that they did not report. Thousands suffered. And I want to tell you that I am not against the Southern Baptist churches. I know that there are way more leaders and pastors who are right and good and caring. So don't mistake what I'm about to share with you is that I'm against them. But I do know over the years, I have watched churches, I have watched pastors, I have watched leaders do the very same thing they're guilty of. And I want to talk to you about how we can't be that way. How the church is not meant to be that way. And here's where I'm going to go. What does the Bible say about it? And if you don't take notes, today's the day to take notes. Because you may not need this personally, although some of you might. But I want to tell you, you need to be ready to share it in a moment with people who need to know. One of the things that report about the Southern Baptist found is there's a woman who was a young girl, went to the leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention in her area to say her father, who was an influential pastor, was abusing her. And they told her to keep quiet. They told her that she was the one of the devil by being divisive. And they told her she was the problem. I have sat with uh, students. I have sat with mainly women who have looked at me and said, Pastor Chuck, what do I do? And now here's where my heart breaks. You know what they were saying? I want to do the right thing. I want to do what God wants me to do. And if God wants me to stay in this situation where I am being abused, 
then I would do that for him. By the way, a lot of those people I sat with had already had a pastor tell them they were supposed to stay. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not what God says. And I want you to know that God wants you to be at a place of safety. I want you to know that God would never ask you to keep enduring something like that. Yeah. And so maybe if there's one thing I want to say, if that's you right now, then I'm going to be talking to you about let's get you safe. That's the first step. How do we get you to a place that's safe and secure? You see, there are all sorts of people who would inflict suffering and pain and agony into your life. Uh, In the area of psychology, we talk about these personality traits and how dangerous they are. And so, for instance, there are those who suffer from narcissism. And I, I think everybody here, that's a term we throw around constantly. But if you live with someone like this, it is painful. It is, it is destructive. And a narcissist is somebody who, they, they think everything's all about them. Everything's to revolve around them. And if you ever start to do anything where they're not the center of attention, then they're going to make you pay. And by the way, one of the things that I'm going to be a little more simplistic here would be true of someone who's narcissistic is this, that they, they never are wrong. They're never wrong. And so they're going to always hit you with that. Somehow you're wrong, but they're never wrong. Then there's people who suffer from what we call Machiavellianism. That's where it's all about power. They're manipulating you. They're overpowering you. They're they're letting you know that you're less than they are. And by the way, they're so good at this. Typically, they're highly intelligent people. And here's the thing about them. They're always right. And if you ever try to make them think they're wrong, you're going to pay. If you ever say, well, you know, can we talk about what's going on? They're going to turn on you and say, you're the problem. You make me do this. You did that to me. You caused this to happen. You deserve. And then there's uh, people who suffer from psychopathy. Uh, These people are never sorry. They're never sorry. They can hurt you. They can hurt others in your life. And and when they finally use the word sorry, you know it's very empty and hollow. Uh, I've been doing studies on people who suffer from all three of these things. They're called the part of the dark triad. Uh, The dark triad. they, They actually have all three of these personality traits within one person. They're narcissistic. They suffer from Machiavellianism. And they're psychopaths. They're never sorry. They're never wrong. They're always right. And here's what I want to tell you. The Bible says stay away from people like this. Get away from people like this. We're going to see that in a moment. Matter of fact, what gets really scary is this is only 1% of our population, but that means there's 3 million people who this is true of. And uh, the Bible says whenever you're having someone like that bring pain and agony into your life, torturing you, abusing you, the Bible says to get away from them. There's an overarching scripture I'm going to be coming back to, but I want to start with it. Uh, And here's what I want you to know, what the Bible says, what God wants you to know. It says, he, meaning God, has told you, O man, what is good. 
And what does the Lord require of you but, now here's what God requires, but to do justice. So we're going to ask that question in a minute. To love, and I want you to look at this word, to love kindness. To love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Uh, the word kindness, by the way, is a Hebrew word, has said. And the word has said means kindness, but it also means goodness. It, it, it also means loyalty, faithfulness. It's a big word with an incredible deep meaning. But here's what I don't want you to miss. It's very close to a Greek word, agape, which is unconditional love. But the difference with this word, it's about purity. God wants you to love what's pure. So if you're in a relationship where you're being abused, you want to seek justice. When you're in a relationship that is destructive and painful, then you want to ask, is it pure? Is it pure? Is there goodness and purity here? And then he says, walk humbly with your God. In other words, humble yourself before God and say, God, help me. Help me, guide me, take me somewhere. So there's three things that God wants us to do based on this verse. We ask, what does justice require? And let me say as clearly as I can, I'm going to get to it in a minute. If someone's physically abusing you, what does justice require? That they be called on it. That they be confronted. And if they have physically abused you, that they are brought to the authorities to go through the consequences of their action. That's justice. And we're a church for justice, by the way. We don't tell a woman, no, you stay in that relationship. Yeah. If your children are suffering, you call them on it. You don't let that keep going. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't say, no, no, no. You married them, therefore you're trapped. Or they're your husband or wife, therefore stay there. No, you put an end to it. And then you ask the next question, what will be sown and what will be reaped? By the way, if pain and agony are being sown into a relationship, that is not a pure good relationship. See, God said, I want you to seek that has said, and you're not finding it. You're not reaping that. And then is my motivation love? In other words, we do ask that question. How do I show genuine, real love in this situation? Love that can overcome hate. Love that can overcome evil. And so how do we do those things? So we're going to get to that in a moment. But what I want to do is talk about this. Who does it that the Bible says you and I are not to be around? The Bible actually teaches there are certain people you don't want to be in their presence. And, and, and reason I'm bringing that up right now is because if a person uh, in, you have a relationship with is like this, the Bible says you separate from them and you put up a barrier, you put up a boundary. So the first kind of person the Bible says to be away from, I'm going to go ahead and mention it, it's not my main point today, is the heretic. The heretic, the one who brings heresy. Uh, look what it says in 2 John. John said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the teachings of Christ, the teachings of the Bible, do not receive them into your house. Don't let them in your home. And do not give them a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So the Bible says when someone's heretical, that you are to put a separation between you and them. You're to set a boundary. And not allow them in your house and not give them a greeting. 
Uh, we, by the way, at Crossroads Christian Church, if you didn't know this, uh, in our staff, I have instituted, I did this when I first came in 2007, a purity standard. And the purity standard would have to do with how you operate so there's sexual purity. So if anybody in our staff violates that, I'm not mean, but I let them go. And we hope to restore them one day. You know, maybe not on staff, but we do that. I also have a doctrinal theological purity standard. And very often they'll come out a book, they'll come out a teaching. And one of our staff may veer into that. And if they do, you just need to know this, I let them go. Do I still love them? Yes, but we still let them go. And you know why? Because the Bible's clear that when this happens, you don't associate with people who do that. You don't allow that to occur. You've got to have a higher standard. Now, when we go into the area of abuse, one of the forms of abuse that takes place is called spiritual abuse. And a lot of churches are spiritually abusive. And a lot of people take on the, the, using the Bible to abuse people. And a lot of people suffer because of that. Probably the easiest way to spot spiritual abuse is they take authority in your life that should only be held by Jesus Christ. You see, I, yeah, that's the, yeah, praise God for that. So have you ever noticed that I, as your pastor, never tell you, this is how you're supposed to live individually? I don't call you over and go, what are you doing wearing that? Some of you might need that, but I don't do it. <laughs> Why'd you buy that? Why'd you make that decision? Uh, you can't move out of this area because we're your church. By the way, whenever any of you get called by God to move, it breaks my heart. We're not going to have you physically here. But have it, you know what I always I celebrate with you on a new chapter God has for you. You know, because we want to give you that opportunity to live out what God wants. So God's great desire is that you would have freedom. And so when someone starts taking away your freedom, that's spiritual abuse. And it says in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So while we want to give you good direction and, and give you good advice and and it lets you know it sometimes maybe if you're veering off, we want to call you to listen to God and, the, and let the Holy Spirit move in your life. And so if someone starts to take away your freedom, it's a sign they're probably moved into heresy and spiritual abuse. The second kind of person God says to stay away from is the perverted. The nar narcissistic would be perverted. The psychopath would be perverted. And so where does the Bible say to stay away from them? Look what it says in Proverbs 22.5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. Do you see that? The perverse, the perverted. He who guards himself will be far from them. So if you're wise, if you're doing what God says, you get far away from people like that. The perverted. Someone could be sexually perverted and you ought to be staying away from them. And uh, by the way, that might be a husband who uses sex rather than to build his wife up and to create communication that's deep and intimacy that's good. He uses it to create pain in her life and demeans her. That's perverted. And when you start suffering sexual abuse in a marriage, God says, get away. 
separate, get to safety. Obviously, molesting a child's perverted. Get away. Separate from a person like that. But I want to say this. A father, listen, listen to me. A father is called by God to create a caring, nurturing, safe home. He's to be the number one protector of his family. And if he is terrorizing his family, that's perverted. Do you, you see where I'm going? If he comes in and he's terrorizing his family, that's perverted. And you've got to stop it. You've got to find a way to stop it. If you're a wife and you're afraid of your husband, the Bible says he's to treat you as a joint heir. He's to make you feel special. If he doesn't do that, that's perverted. So God's saying, don't let that occur. So when someone's creating physical abuse, that is a perversion of what God wants. God doesn't want us to do that. God doesn't want us to be that way. The word perverse, by the way, means to be crooked, twisted, wicked, depraved, moral, religious, or social perversion. Moral perversion, social perversion, religious perversion. But it's the idea of twisting something, making it wicked instead of good. A father who terrorizes his family is wicked. A wife who terrorizes her family is wicked. By the way, some of you are saying you're calling out the man a lot. I, I do know men can be that way. I also know there are some men who need to defend your children from a mom who's that way. And you need to do that. It may be in a workplace. But the bottom line is when someone is abusing you, that's perverted. That is perverted. And God says you and I are not to be a part of that. We're to get as far away as we can. You don't associate with people like that. And then the next group that God says to be away from, that God doesn't want you to be around, is uh, the scoffer. And the scoffer uh, is uh, someone who would have that Machiavellian attitude. Now, why do we put this here? Because a scoffer always wants to power up. They always want to put down. They always want to mock. They always want to verbally abuse. They're always doing things like that to demean you, to be destructive. Or there may be the narcissist who always thinks they're right, therefore they're going to make fun of everybody else. And so what does the Bible say about a scoffer? It says, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out. And quarreling, and look at that word, and abuse will cease. I uh, know we've talked about this before, but I'll go ahead and say it again. Physical abuse is dangerous. There's no doubt about it. And verbal abuse, some people will say it's just as destructive, and it is. So physical and verbal abuse are both destructive in, in anybody who has to endure it. Um, and no one here, no one online, none of you are strong enough to get away without deep wounds and great harm. When that begins to happen to you, it creates trauma. And when you're traumatized again and again and again, it will have a horrible effect. And that's what abuse is. Abuse is traumatic. 
Abuse is destructive. Abuse creates not just pain, but wounds that are hard to recover from. And God says, I don't want that for you. I do not want that to be the life you live and the pain you endure. I don't want that to be in the relationships you have. I want you to be freed from that. And so what does God tell you and I to do? We're to set boundaries. We're to set a boundary that says, no, no, you can't hit me. And if you do it again, I'll call the police. You do it again, I'm going to our pastor. You do it again, I'm going to get a counselor to help me. You can't continue to barrage me with words like that. You can't do that. I'm setting a boundary. The principle of boundaries is found in Deuteronomy 19, verse 14. It says, you shall not move your neighbor's boundary mark, which the ancestors have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. Now, I would love to tell you more about this, but let me just give you the idea that's here. When you set up a boundary marker, it creates security in the home you live in. And God wants you to have emotional boundaries so people don't violate that. God wants you to have physical boundaries so people don't violate that. When you set up the boundary, that means you should be secure. You should be safe. You should not have people dumping on you, attacking you, terrorizing you, coming in when they're not supposed to. All of us who have homes right now, you have a boundary called your front door. If some stranger opens the door and walks in, nobody here is okay with that, are you? No, you've got a ring to make sure that doesn't happen. Spiritually, God says, don't let that occur. Set up a boundary. I know it's not easy. Please understand. I really, I was up all night praying about this message, you guys. Because I know how real some of the pain is, some of you are suffering. And I know it's not easy. But what I'm saying to you, if you're a wife, get help. Start by calling out to Jesus and then you come to one of our pastors, go to a Christian counselor. Uh, if it's physical, call the police immediately. But get to a place of safety. If you're a child, you go to a pastor, you go to a counselor, you go to a teacher. And uh, you, you take action. Your safety matters too much to God. He loves you too much for this to occur. And I have to tell you something, as a pastor, when I found out people are doing things like this to people, I'm like, well, I wish you'd come to us sooner. I don't say why. I, I get the why. You're afraid. You hoped it would end. You wondered if somehow it would get better. But you know what? I, I wish you'd come sooner. I wish you'd move quickly. And that isn't pointing the finger and making you the problem. I'm just telling you, we care too much. And we just don't want you to live in that kind of agony at all. We don't want that to be what's going on in your life. You see, sometimes I've sat with mainly women who say, well, I went to a pastor and they told me I can't divorce them, so I have to live with them. Well, okay, that's a bigger subject that I'm going to get into, but let me tell you something. The first step isn't divorce, it's separation. 
Should you separate? Yes. Yes. And you know what? An abuser needs to be called on their being an abuser. They need to face the consequence of their action. You didn't, if you're the one being abused, you didn't do it. They did. Yes, you get away. Yes, you get away. And you make sure you protect yourself. And you make sure if you have kids, you protect your kids. Proverbs 22 verse 3 talks about the idea of us being careful in this area. It says the prudent sees the evil and hides himself. You need to find a place of hiding. It says, but the naive go on and are punished for it. See, God... God doesn't want you to go on and and just live in this and let this keep occurring. And now you're suffering the agony of what's occurred. And if you're uh, online right now and the reason you're not in a church building is because you've had that happen to you. And churches like ours and I hope it's not us, but I'll tell you what, we're gonna put ourselves with every other church out there. If we're a church that ever does that to you, if I'm a pastor that ever does that to you, I'll tell you, I'm so sorry that happened. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus never called for you to be that way. He never called you to be in that situation. The Bible says, hide yourself from it. Get away. Don't let that occur. So do whatever you can to make that move, to make that step. That's what the Lord wants. So let's go back to Micah 6, 8, and let's talk about again what he says we should do. Number one, we should ask this question. What does justice require? What does justice require? And remember, it says, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to do justice. So that means if anybody's physically harmed somebody, what does justice say? They should be arrested. They should be arrested. I remember one time there was a situation where a girl made a report on her father who ended up losing his job because he had a job that if he ever committed abuse, he would never be able to keep that job and work in that profession again. And he tried to tell her, look what you did to the family. And I, I said to her, no, 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 you didn't do this. He did this. He should have known better. Matter of fact, his job was one where he should have made the report. So don't, if you're the person being abused, it's not your fault and you're not the one doing it to the family. And so if you need to make the report, you make the report. Sometimes it's uh, not as easy. Verbal abuse is harder to prove. By the way, that all of us at our church staff, I don't know if you guys know this, everybody on our church staff, we're mandated reporters and we go through mandated reporting training and we report. But that's a tougher one. But still, find a way to get to safety. Do what's just. Do what's just. And so justice does require, number one, that the perpetrator be held responsible, not the victim. Justice requires that they suffer consequences for what they've done. And let me say this. My great desire is for them to do this something that God calls for them to do called repent. So it's not saying we don't care about the person who's done it, but I would say this, if you care about them, don't let them get away with it. Don't let them get away with it. 
So you ask the question, what does justice require? And we want to live that out and understand that. The second thing we ask is this, what is being sown and what is being reaped? There's a law of sowing and reaping in the Bible, and it's found in Galatians chapter 6, and it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what is being sown and what is being reaped? By the way, if you're a parent and you're living in a situation where there's violent anger, let me ask you a question. What is the likelihood your children then will take that on and live that out? What, what do you guys think the answer is? Highly likely. Because it's being planted in them. Matter of fact, they found that a people who are physically abused, one third go on to physically abuse another loved one. Why? Because that was planted within them. Now, the other two-thirds still go on with trauma and pain. But we've got to look and say, we can't allow these things to keep being planted, these things to keep being sown, these things to keep happening. God doesn't want that. So we ask the question, what does justice require? And as a pastor, when you're sitting with me or with one of my pastors, we're going to look at you and say, let's start with justice. Then we're going to ask the question, what are the consequences that are coming from what's occurring? And then we're going to ask a third question. And the third question is this, is my motivation love? See, we're going to say to you, is there any way that you would understand that the motivation you have is love of God and love for others and even love for the person doing it? That no good comes from letting this keep going on. Love would not do that. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in what is good. So in 1 Peter, it says that we are to, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. I remember sitting with a college-age girl, actually more than once, who had been struck by a guy she was dating. And I said, did you break up with him? And she said, no. He asked if I would forgive him. I said, well, forgive him, but break up with him. Break up with him. If you care about him, let him know that consequence is real. That that's not okay. That's not acceptable. By the way, all of you who have children, when we discipline our children in the correct way, it's never enjoyable to them, but why do you do it? You do it because you love them, right? I don't think there's, there's any, you know, in a good parent, that's your motivation is love. So if I care about somebody who's abusive, I'm going to say, you've got to change. You can change. But what's going on is wicked. What's going on is evil. I have a friend who's a psychologist, and he's, incredibly effective, but when moments like this occur, he looks at people and says, you need to open your eyes to how truly evil you are. And that is the beginning very often of their change. If you're abusive, let me just say it, that's evil. Open your eyes to how evil you're being. 
If your kids live in terror, that's evil. If your wife has to be afraid of you or you demean her and you're not lifting her up and making her feel valuable, that's evil. And by the way, for all of us who are Christians that aren't enduring that, if we don't come to the aid of people who are in in trouble, then that's evil. If a church doesn't step in and say no more, that's evil. If we foster a culture of abuse, that's evil. That's evil. And Jesus doesn't want us to live that way, be that way, and it'll cause people to endure anything like that. Jesus is called the wonderful counselor. Jesus is the great physician. And if you've suffered trauma, let me tell you something. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring hope. And he wants to bring you through it. If you, yeah, praise God for that. If you're the person doing it, you know what? I don't don't think you're beyond hope. I know God can come and change who you are from the inside out. I know things may have happened in your life where you now are this way, but you don't have to be this way any longer. What you need to say is, Lord, help me. By the way, if you're someone who's been abused, you need to say, Lord, help me. Help me get healing. Help that not be who I am anymore. So if you have pain in your past because that's what you've been having to endure, and even if it's not happening today, call out to the Lord to help you because he wants to take you and make you far from that ever occurring again. If you right now are in the midst of that situation, start by saying, Lord, help me. Just just ask God to help you change. So let's go to the great physician. Let's go to the wonderful counselor right now. Lord, I pray right now. I pray right now for anybody who needs your help. They need your help because they need to change. They need your help because maybe in their past this has occurred and it's still having too much power in their life. Oh Lord, I I know that happens over and over. That someone's gone through this and now they aren't free to love. They aren't free to, 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 to live because it's still there. So I pray they would say those words, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Lord, I think there may be somebody here who knows somebody that they're going through this right now and and they felt helpless, but they need to call out for you to help them so they can help that person. Lord, help us. Help us to be people of love and care. Lord, help us to be people who bring healing. And Lord, help those right now who need love, who need care, who need healing. Oh, who need healing. So Lord, there's some people I pray today who are gonna call out that prayer. Right now, I'm gonna ask you to just, if you need the Lord's help, pray that prayer. It's, we're just gonna say those words today. If you need it, if you need him, say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. If you're online, just say, Lord, help me. I promise he will.
here in the building right now, maybe some of you need to say, Lord, help me. And if that's you, you're praying that prayer and you're online, I want you to do this. I want you to right away, find a way to text amen to 77247 so we can come alongside you and so we can help you. Text amen to 77247 right now. Find a phone, find a tablet, a computer. If you, ha- if you need to go to crossroadschurch.family and put I said yes, and we want to help. We want to help you. So you're saying, Lord, help me, and we, his people, we want to come alongside you and help you. Text amen or go to crossroadschurch.family. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you want to be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.